What's going on, church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Come on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad you're joining us as we're in the final week of a series that we're calling Blessed. And we've been dealing with some financial aspects of life and what does God say about our finances. And, and listen, we're one of those churches, we don't, we don't shy away from difficult subjects just because they're difficult. We actually embrace them and we run at them. And the reason we're in this series right now is because at the beginning of the year, I believe that God gave me a word for our church, and it was this idea that this is the year that we're going to become the healthiest church in all of South Florida. And so in order for us as a collective whole to be the healthiest church in South Florida, that means that individually we have to become the healthiest individuals. And that doesn't mean that we're going to get like a, a skinny body with six packs. I'm talking about emotional health, mental health, uh, spiritual health, physical health. And, and so part of that is in our financial world. And so we're addressing some things in this series that I think are going to be really, really relevant to us living a financially healthy life. And so before we dive into today's message, can you guys help me welcome all of our families joining us online and at our Lighthouse Point location? Come on, let's give it up. Man, we love you guys. We're so thankful that you're joining with us today. And, 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 and I'm pumped for today's message because I, I wanna help you walk in financial freedom in life, and I want you to experience the financial blessing of God in your life. And so I wanna to talk to you today about four choices that I think all of us have to make to walk in financial blessing in life. And these are actually four principles out of God's word that I believe that if we'll make these choices, we'll see the blessing in the hand of God in our financial world. Now, now before, before some of you guys, maybe you're new or you haven't been around very long, I want you to know that we're not this prosperity gospel church. We don't believe you give $100, you're gonna get 100 million. Like you, we, God doesn't wanna bless you. Uh, maybe he does, but like in general, we all get 22s and live on an ocean on the, uh, in a house on the beach. I mean, that's not the reality of it. Like Jesus did not come and die so that you could be rich. Like that is not the gospel message. The gospel message is, is for God so loved the world that he gave. Like he was generous. He, the gospel message is that you and I are sinners and we're separated from God. And without the love of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, we would not experience the freedom from our sins so that we could have life and have it to the fullest so that we could experience eternity with God and we could overcome death, hell, and the grave. That's what the gospel message is. But at the same time, there are some principles throughout Scripture that if we'll apply them to our lives, we will experience the blessings of God. Like there are Scriptures that if you apply to your marriage, there are principles throughout Scripture that if you apply them, you'll have a blessed marriage. There, there is a, a way that if you'll raise your children, the Bible says, they'll grow up and they won't depart from the things that you've taught them. Like there are some principles that we can apply to our lives and there are some principles when it comes to our financial world that we can apply and, and God will move in our life. And, and here's what I know is that some of you are like, you should just talk about prayer. You should just talk about faith. Well, do you know that scripture talks more about your personal finances than prayer and faith combined? 
So God's got something to say to us about this aspect of our life. And and the idea here, we have to be careful because the idea isn't that we're financially blessed and then you get excited and you think, well, that means, TJ, God wants me to be rich. Listen, we have to check our heart because your goal in life should never be money. Your goal in life should be more of God. And anytime we get those things out of sorts, it messes up all kinds of things in our life. So, so if the goal is financial gain, then we've got to check our heart. In fact, Diedrich Bonhoeffer said it like this. He says, our hearts have room for only one, all embracing devotion, and we can only cleave to one Lord. Like there's only going to be one thing that's going to rule your life and you have to decide what is that one thing. So the goal here is not to get rich. The goal here is, is how do I get more of God inside of my life? Like how do I live by his principles? How do I pursue him and his plan for my life and the way that he wants me to live and the way that he wants me to live is different. The great reformationist Martin Luther said it like this. There are three conversions that are necessary. The conversion of the heart, which is where you give your life to Jesus. And maybe you're here and you haven't ever done that. We'll give you an opportunity to do that at the end of service. He says there's also a conversion of the mind. Like there is some stinking thinking up here for some of us. And some of us need to eradicate that out of our lives. And then he said the third thing that, that, that we have to have converted is the purse. Meaning, ladies, there's some word. No, I'm just like. <laughs> Meaning that, 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 that there is this aspect of our life called our finances that we have to learn how to deal with the way God wants us to deal with them. And we're going to help you with this. And I believe that God is going to speak to you. And here's why we need to deal with this. Proverbs 11:10 says it like this. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. So what that means is that when the, the people of God at Coastal Community Church, uh, when, you, when you prosper, everybody around you, you, they rejoice. Like they're excited about that because they know that something is impactful about to happen in their life as well. Because we've all had that friend in life that got some uh, inheritance or got an extra money or, or got a raise and we're like, ooh, of all the people to get that, I wish they wouldn't have. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's, there's some people you're like, they, that's not good. Why? Because when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. In other words, you're going to be celebrated one way in life or the other way in life. You can be celebrated when you die because people are like, oh, yes, that person is finally dead, greedy bastard. Or you're going to be celebrated in life because you are wealthy and you made a difference. So the choice is ours. Which way do we want to be celebrated? And so I, I want to challenge us with an idea. And it's a question I ask myself a lot in life. It's a, it's a challenge that I'm constantly posing to myself. And my wife poses it to me a lot as well. She's very, she's very good at being the Holy Spirit in my life. Maybe some other people are married to the Holy Spirit as well. Uh, (laughs) Come on, husbands, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like they just, it's like they're speaking for God. It just, it just works out that way. But it's a, it's a question that I think we have to ask ourselves that is really a heart check question. And so the question is this, is what is the more for? What is the more in your life for? We talked about doing the debt snowball last weekend, and maybe you're going to go home and you're going to do the debt snowball and you're going to get yourself out of debt. What is the more that now is in your life for? 
You get the, you get the raise at work. What, in the, what is the more for? You receive that inheritance. What is the more for? Your sales increase. What is the more for? And as Christ followers, we understand the more always deals with us being a blessing to the world around us. Why would the city rejoice when the church is blessed? Because we're not making it about us. We're making it about them. We're making it about how do I make a difference? And so I want to preface this this whole message on like, what is the more for? Because I'm gonna give you principles that if you apply them to your life, you will be financially blessed. Why? Because God's word does not return void. But it isn't just so you can have more. The question is, is what is the more for? So four principles that if you apply to your life, you'll experience the blessings of God when it comes to your financial world. Number one is you gotta choose hustle over hoping. You have to choose hustle over hoping. And some people, they're going to have a hard time with this because they don't like a four-letter word, and it's called work. I mean, we live in a day and an age where nobody wants to work, and it's a dirty word, work. And, and you're sitting there, and you're going, man, my pastor is telling me i got to go to work? Yes, he is. But, 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 but pastor, work is a result of the fall of Adam. Because of sin, we have to work. No. Like, your boss and your job is not a result of sin. In fact, if you go back to Genesis and stop and actually look at it, God gave Adam and Eve a job before sin ever entered into the world. So if God gave Adam and Eve a job, what does he think you should have? A job. Well, well, but when I get to heaven, I'm not going to have a job. No, no, you think you're going to be a fat little chubby baby with some wings playing a harp sitting on a cloud. That doesn't sound like heaven to me. That sounds like hell. In fact, if you were to read scripture, you would actually find out that you're going to have responsibility when you get to heaven. You know what responsibility is? It's work. So we might as well embrace the idea of hustle instead of hoping. We gotta embrace this idea, man, that there is some hustle that we have to have. And some of us, what we are is we are Snow White Christians. If you don't know who Snow White is, Snow White and the Seven Doors, she's one of the original Disney princesses. If you've ever watched the cartoon of it or the movie of it, Snow White, she would, she would go to this well and, and she would sing into the well and she would sing, I'm wishing, and the well would echo back, I'm wishing, and, and she would go, for the one I love to find me today. And so, so because we're Snow White Christians, here's, here's what happens. And I need, I'm going to need some help today. So, so I'm going to need you to kind of echo back to me. I'm wishing, I'm wishing for, a new car. for a new car. Yeah, that's what some of y'all are wishing for. <laughs> that's, that's your real, real life right there. I'm wishing, I'm wishing for my debt to be gone. For my debt to be gone. Erase, my loans. Erase my loans. Government. Come on, somebody. That's, that, that, isn't, that isn't just your hope. That's your prayer right there. You're just praying. And then here's the deal. You wonder why in life you're not getting ahead because you have a whole lot of hoping and not a lot of hustle. And we have lost 
this art of rolling up our sleeves and getting into the work and getting to work early and staying late and doing more than everybody else and we've forgotten how to hustle, church. Like, put a little hustle in your work and see how much further along in your career you get. Like, and listen, I'm all pro for praying for things. I know some of you guys are like, but, I'm, but pastor, I'm just praying for something. I, that's great. I'm a big proponent of prayer. Like, I think you should pray. I love what Mark Batterson says in The Circle Maker. He says, I'm going to pray like it depends on God, but then I'm going to work like it depends on me. Like, it's two parts of the equation. So you can pray all you want, but if you're not doing the working like it depends on you, you're not going to see God move in that aspect of your life. He isn't a genie in a bottle that you rub him the right way and he just gives you whatever he wants. It's not a Christina Aguilera song. Here's what 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10 says. And this is Paul speaking. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If that was our rule today, there'd be a lot of people that are hungry. And, I'm not, and, li and listen, I'm not, I'm not dogging people that are poor. Listen, we should help the poor. Like that, that's something that's all throughout Scripture. We, like we should take care of the poor. We should take care of, of the people that can't take care of themselves. We should take care of the people that don't have the ability to work. But a lot of us, we have the ability. And we're waiting for everything else to feed us in life. Instead of living in such a way that we learn how to hustle. I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do more than everybody else. In fact, I was... I was reading this article about Elon Musk and super interesting. And they were, they were asking about like what his day looks like. And they started talking to him about his sleep. And, and he said, in this article, he was saying, man, I sleep maybe four to six hours a night. And, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. He, and he said, in fact, most nights I, I go to bed around 2 a.m. and I'm working at my desk and, and I don't even go home. I just crawl under my desk and go to bed. And then I wake up four hours later at 6, 6 a.m. And, and I'm back at it again. And, and honestly, it kind of convicted me a little bit. It didn't convict me a little bit. It connected me a lot. I mean, it's not probably healthy for you to sleep under your desk and neglect your family. It's probably not a sustainable lifestyle. But I thought to myself, like, but how much more does he believe in his mission in life than we do ours? Like, no wonder he's the wealthiest person in the world right now. So I'm not telling you to forsake your family or sleep under your desk at your, your job, but I'm telling you there, there's some action that we have to take. And, and underneath every single one of these, I'm going to give you an action item. And the action item here for choose hustle over hoping is, is the action item is, is you just have to work hard. Do your best to work hard. And here's the biblical principle be behind it. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit. How much hard, how much hard work? Okay, you're not very good at this. I'm going to try this again because there's a key word in there that I'm trying to get from all of you. So how much hard work? All, all hard work brings a profit. Well, they're not profiting me. No, no, no. It's not their responsibility to profit you. You know who's going to profit you? God's going to profit you. But he goes on to say, but mere talk, which is what some of us are really good at. Like we're just talkers. I would say it, we're more like we're dreamers. Oh, someday. Have you noticed that someday never becomes today? 
It's always off in the future somewhere out there. And we're like, someday, and, and, and we're, we're dreaming on Zillow, like, someday I'm going to have that house. No, you're not, because you won't put any hustle into your hoping. And you know what mere talk leads to? It leads to you being broke. <laughs> or the Bible would say poverty. Proverbs 12, 24, diligent hands will rule but laziness ends in forced labor. You want to get promoted in your job? You want to go further in your life? Learn to be diligent and do your very best. Let's get work ethic back. But TJ, you don't understand. My boss is a jerk. Everybody's had a boss that's a jerk. Come on, if you've ever had a boss that was a jerk, go ahead and raise your hands. Raise your hands up high. Okay, quite a few of you, no coastal people better be raising their hands. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> We've all had one, but here's the deal. You're not working for them. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever work you do, do it with all of your heart. Do it for the Lord, not for them. So you're not working for them, you're working for him. So work hard because he deserves it. So you got to choose some hustle over hoping. Number two, you got to choose a plan over passion. You got to choose a plan over passion. The problem with a lot of our spending decisions is that they are passion decisions, not plan decisions. Why did you buy that new, new outfit? Well, well, it just felt good, TJ. I put it on and it just, like, it made me look slimmer. I felt good in it. But you're broke. <laughs> Why did you buy a new car? Because the new car smell was mesmerizing. It just, it smelled so good. And then I got in the seat and they see me rolling. I just saw it all in my head and it just felt right. But you're in debt up to your eyeballs. But it feels good. That's because you're making decisions based on passion and not a plan. And that's why a lot of us are, are stressed out and maxed out and up to our eyeballs in debt because we're living based on our passions. Because we live in a society today, do whatever feels good. Your heart, your heart, go with your heart. No, don't go with your heart. Your heart will lie to you all day long. The Bible says, above all, above all else, guard your heart. Why do you have to guard your heart? Because the Bible also says, your heart is deceptive. So, you know what we need to get? We need to get a plan. Instead of living by passion and everything that feels good. But TJ, I need a $5 cup of Starbucks every day. No, you don't. Yes, I do. I, I, like when I have it in my, I just walk with more confidence with it. Like I just, I just feel more powerful. No. Don't live by feelings. We live by a plan. Luke 14 says it like this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money? Like wouldn't that be a good idea? For us to do to see if we have enough. And then none of us read the next verse, where verse 29. If you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everybody who sees it will think you're an idiot. <laughs> that's not TJ talking, that's the Bible talking. In other words, you didn't think it through and everybody's going to know. So here's the action item. Get on a budget. Get on a budget. 
And I know that that's, that's a dirty word as well. It's the bad B word. But when's the last time you sat down and you figured out, here's what's coming in. And what's going out and where is it going to? And is it named and is it itemized? And I'm going to guess for the majority of us, based on the fact that statistics tell us that the average American is spending $1.45 for every dollar they make, you have no idea where that money's going. In fact, if you don't know how to make a budget, I'll, I'll give you a simple principle. It's called the 10-20-70 principle. I think this is a great principle that you should live by. And I, I, I'm basing this off the fact that you're at church, which means that you want to follow God and be obedient to him. So here's how it works. The first 10%, because you want to obey God, you return to God the tithe. Because you go, you know what, God, I believe that you can bless my 90% and make it go way further than my 100% that's cursed will go on its own. Then the next 20%, you know what it goes to? It goes to debt elimination. It, and after you've eliminated your debt, it goes to savings and it goes to investing. It's the principle of paying yourself first. Most of us, we're, we're waiting to the end and hoping that we have enough at the end instead of going, you know what? I'm gonna set aside some right now on the front end so in the future, I actually have the opportunity for success. In the last 70%, it's going to go to your necessities. It's going to go to your housing. It's going to go to your transportation. It's going to go to your insurance. It's going to go to your food. It's going to be those vacations that you want to take someday. And here's what a budget does. A budget helps you make financial decisions without emotion. And, and when you get a budget, here's what will happen is, is things will pop up in your life and you'll learn this phrase that will become your favorite phrase. So something will come up, oh, let's go on a girl's trip to Vegas and have some fun. And then you'll look at your budget and here's what your budget will do. Your budget will say, nope, I can't afford that. The budget will tell you you can't do things instead of allowing your emotions to go, oh, let's just pull out another card and swipe it. And it will change your financial future. And see, now you're not making emotional decisions. You're making educated decisions. And now you know where your future is going to be and how it's going to be secured. And listen, if you struggle with this, one of the best things you could do is you could sign up for Financial Peace University. I, I feel like I am pimping Financial Peace University like crazy right now. But here's what I know is I wish that every person would go through this. I don't care what age you are. If you're a parent with a teenager, you need to go through it with your kids because they're not learning this kind of stuff. It doesn't get taught in school. It doesn't get taught afterwards. Like you need this in your life. I'm so thankful at 21 years old, we learned this stuff and it changed the outlook of our future. And I don't want to see your children go through the same stupid mistakes that we all went through because nobody educated us and taught us how to do this. Don't miss out on this. Number three, Choose discipline over debt. Choose discipline over debt. And I know nobody wants to hear about this. You're like, oh, TJ, just talk about faith so I can get everything I want without get, doing anything. That's great, but that's not how life works. A lot of things in life, you know what they take? They take discipline. And a lot of the things that you're going through right now is not because it was not a planned decision or a passion purchase. But a lot of the things that we're going through right now is because it was a plastic purchase. We just took out our card and we swiped it. I'll just pay later and I'll never think about the result 
and eventually that bill is going to come due at some point. And here's what happens when you go into debt. And I need you to hear this, church. Here's what happens when you get into debt. You can never invest in your future because you keep having to pay for your past. It's what debt does. It keeps you from investing in what is going on right now. You're paying for stuff that you didn't have the discipline to wait for, so you're working backwards instead of moving forwards into all that God has for your life. So let me give you an example. You, you go out and, and you buy a, a nice house that, that you can afford. And, and as you're looking at that house, you're like, man, this house is great. But you know what this house needs? This house needs a new couch. And so you go and you start looking online and, and you find a couch at Haverty's. And it looks like this. And you think to yourself, oh, man, this house, this house would look so good with that couch. That couch would fit perfect in there. And, 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 and here's the thing, though. You don't have the discipline to wait to pay for this couch. So how much do you think this couch costs? Come on, Shout it out. How much do you think? Okay, none of you got it right. Somebody's raising their hand back there. Okay, I'll just tell you. This couch costs $3,000. That's the that's estimated price. But here's the deal. Because you didn't have the discipline, you didn't have the discipline to save up the money to, to pay $3,000 for it. Instead, you finance it. Now this couch costs $8,190. All of a sudden, that couch isn't as sexy as it first started out at being. And here's what I know. The moment you get that couch to your house and you have children, it's ruined in 30 seconds because that is a terrible color for children. Come on, parents. So now you got an $8,190 couch that has stains on it because you didn't have the discipline to wait to get out of debt. And this, in, in church, it's time to get ourselves free from this. Proverbs 22, 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And here's the whole deal. We're helping a whole bunch of people get rich and live in way nicer places because they have discipline and we choose debt. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding. Like there's only one debt that we have and that's to... Give the love of Jesus to other people because of the price that was paid for us. Now we have a responsibility. And I think we got to have to live in such a way that we become hardcore about eliminating debt in our life. So here's the action item. Radically cut expenses and pay down your debt. Radically cut expenses and pay down your debt. It's pretty simple. And last week, we talked about the debt snowball, and I heard from some of you guys, because part of the debt snowball plan is you got to find an extra $200 a month and, and, and start to do that. And, and some of you guys are like, I don't have any idea how I could ever find that. So I, I came up with 10 ways, they're going to put it up here, to create margin in your budget. So here are 10 ways that I just thought of this week for you to be able to create margin and find that extra $200. The first one is this, you got to cut some coupons. Cut some coupons. And listen, this is not hard. You can go online to this thing called Google. Maybe you've seen it before where you Google and you just type in wherever you're gonna, whatever you're buying and coupons will pop up. So you don't have to go into, in, into the newspaper and cut these things. You can actually just find them online. And I'm not talking about coupons for Macy's to go buy more stuff. That's, that's not saving money. That's spending money. I'm talking about like groceries, necessities. You want to save some money? Cut some coupons. How about this one? Buy used clothing. Parents, man, we got a baby 
craze going on right now at church. And here's what I know. Every parent's like, oh, I got to get them new clothes. No, you don't. They're going to be in it two times, and then they're going to grow out of it. Buy some used clothes and save yourself some money. Trying to help some parents out there. How about this third one? Eliminate streaming services. Like, do you really need Hulu, Netflix, Paramount Station? Like, you don't, who watches Paramount, okay? Like, get rid of some of the streaming services and, and watch how you, like, it's just good stewardship. Number four, eat at home. It's going down for real. Now we're getting real right now, aren't we? It's going down right now. Because if you were to actually see where your money's going, like this, this category right here, whoo, it would be painful for you to see. Listen, and I'm all for some Christian chicken, but I, I would much rather, I'd much rather have some money. This next one you're not going to like either then. Pack your lunch. Straight up real stat. They estimated if you packed your lunch and brought it to work for the, for the majority of your career, at a single person at the end of their life packing their lunch for 30 plus years of working would have an extra $121,000. So if you're a married couple, that's a quarter of a million dollars just by bringing your lunch to work. I like Chick-fil-A, but I like a quarter of a million dollars way more. How about this next one? Cancel your fancy coffee. I know the Starbucks, it makes you feel good. Buy the cup, pour some Folgers in there, nobody will know. You still look cool. You got the vibe going on, whatever that is. Number seven, sell your cat. That's a good one right there. That might be from Jesus. I, I'm not sure how that got up there. Let's, I think there's a different one. Order your groceries online. That's better. Order your groceries online. Not delivered to your house. The reason you order them online is because half the time you're in there, it's impulse purchases. You're hungry, and so that means that bag of Cheetos goes in. That means that extra thing goes in there. And so what you need to do, you order them online, Walmart or Publix, they have an app. You show up there. They'll actually deliver them to your vehicle. You shut the trunk, and you just drive away. You don't even have to interact with people. It's beautiful. <laughs> Number eight, maybe. Get cheaper or free hobbies. Guys, do you need to play golf at the most expensive golf course? There's cheaper courses out there. Ladies, do you need the dip powdered every week? No, you can, you can just paint those things yourself. We don't care. Number nine, share a car. This is a big one. How, so many people are working from home today, yet they got multiple cars, multiple car payments, insurance, Gas, I don't know if you, you've checked out lately what it costs to fill up a car with gas. That'll break you right there. Well, what happens if we have an emergency? There's this amazing service called Uber and Lyft. Like, they will come pick you up and take you somewhere. And if it's really an emergency, there's this thing called 911. They'll pick you up too. Okay, I'm just saying. Just saying. I don't call that for a ride sharing. <laughs> Number 10, pick up a side hustle. Go give some plasma 
drive Uber, whatever it is. I'm just trying to make some things practical for you. There's ways that you can save money and watch how your life will all of a sudden become financially blessed just by choosing some discipline. Just by choosing discipline. Number four. Four principles that will help you live financially blessed. And the last is choose generosity over greed. Choose generosity over greed. And again, it goes back to your heart. And the question we asked in the beginning, what is the more for? Like, what is it for? If you've been blessed in the past and you've gotten some extra money or you've got an extra gift or you've got an extra inheritance, the question is, is what did you do with it? Because if you didn't spend it wisely, I wonder if the reason that God is not giving you more is because you chose greed over generosity. And I think our lives should be lived in such a way that our default of our lives should be, who can I bless, not what can I keep? Like, how can I make a difference? And listen, I, I'm not dogging having nice things and having things. I, I, I believe that God wants, the Bible tells us that God wants to give us the desires of our heart. Like, I think God wants you to have a nicer house or, or, or to drive, be able to drive that vehicle at some point in your life. Or to eventually end up with that Chanel bag that you've been eyeing for the last three years. Like I do. I'm not against things. But I am against things that have us. And what happens for a lot of us is we get so focused on the things that the things become our ultimate. And then all we're doing is, is going, I need more, 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 more. And what happens is we end up gripped with greed. Here's what the Bible teaches. It says this in Proverbs eleven twenty five: A generous person will prosper. And whoever refreshes others, what will happen is it gets reciprocated and they become refreshed. And the whole point of today's message is how do we live a financially blessed life? Well, ultimately, you become a generous person. So here's the action. Here's the action. Find ways to be a blessing. Find ways to be a blessing with your friends. Find ways to be a blessing with your family. Find ways to be a blessing at your workplace, in your community, in your church life. Find ways to be a blessing and watch how, as you're a blessing, how God begins to do things and bless your life in ways that you've never experienced before. And some of us are so tight-gripped with, with what we have that we can't even see the fact that God is trying to move in our life when it comes to our financial world, but we're so tight-gripped on mine, 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 mine. that we miss it. And then there's others of you who I know personally really well and you're the most open-handed people and it seems like, man, whenever God does something in your life, man, you're, it's, it like flows right through you and it's amazing to watch how 
how like you're just blessed more and more and more and you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm like, just don't stop. Because you're doing it right. It feels like God is just more and more generous to you. Reminds me of a couple of years ago, there was a, was talking to this dad after church. It was right after the hurricanes had hit the Bahamas. And uh, we were doing some stuff in the church uh, for that with relief through Convoy of Hope and Compassion and some other organizations. And he was going, hey, my daughter, my daughter was really moved by but what happened in the Bahamas, and she went out and she set up a, a lemonade stand in our neighborhood, and she's selling lemonade, and she was like maybe 10 years old, and, and, and she's, he's like, everything she's, gonna, she's earning, she's going to give to the church to go help with what's happening over there. I'm like, that's awesome. What has what she, she earned so far? What has she brought in? And he's like, man, she's brought in like $1,500. I was like, that girl's a hustler? <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. I, I, I said, what, what are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll probably just double whatever she does. I was like, that's awesome. I was like, is there a, is there a cap to what you're going to double at? Or, and he's like, well, I, you know, she, she is. She's hustling. And, and you know, I, I think if she does like $10,000, I'd match the $10,000. I was like, that's incredible. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do because I want to teach generosity to the next generation. I want to encourage people to be generous. I'll match the 1500 that she's already given. He's like, for real? I was like, yeah, so that just cost you six grand now, you know? I was like, <laughs> uh, and, and so the next morning, the next morning, uh, I, I had a business leaders group that I do as part of our connect groups. And I, I just threw it out there to all these guys. I said, hey, there's this like 10-year-old girl that's, that's raising money for, for missions over there to help all these people. If any of you guys want to be a part, somebody will match it at $10,000. Like within five minutes, we, we had reached the $10,000 mark. And, and I was like, man, that just turned to $20,000. Like that girl's awesome. Then afterwards, three guys came up to me and they said, hey, we want to match the $10,000 as well. And so by the end of that, that little connect group, we'd raise $50,000 to take care of, of people that were devastated by a hurricane that ruined everything in their lives. All because some guys just decided, you know what? We're not going to live tight-fisted. We're going to live to be a blessing. And we're going to encourage the next generation to be a blessing. And to know that they, they, no matter what age they are, they can make a difference if they, if they put their hearts to it, they put their minds to it. And we want to encourage that in the next generation. We want to be a part of that. And, and here's what I've learned is that 2 Corinthians 9, 11, it says, you'll be enriched in every way. Like God wants to enrich you in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. See, what's the more for? He wants to enrich you in every way. But it's not just so that we can consume. There's a part of that, that that needs to take place. But it's so that when opportunity arises, we can be generous on every occasion. And what will happen is that through that opportunity to be generous, it's going to result in something. It's not going to result in them magnifying you. It's going to result in them magnifying God. They're going to see the greatness of their God that, that loves them and cares for them and wants to meet them in their deepest and darkest need, no matter what that need is. And it happens through people that decide that I'm going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're called to be the hands and his feet. Will you be those hands and feet?
Will you be the answer to that prayer? A lot of times we hear of people that are going through things and they're like, man, will you pray for this? Sometimes we don't need to pray for things. We just need to do some things. Like their prayer, man, I just, God, would you, just, would you just help me find a way to pay my light bill this month? They don't need a prayer for that. They need a $100 bill for that. What if it's th- instead of just being a prayer, what if it, you, your life was meant to be an answer to prayer? Church, we have an awesome, incredible, life-changing responsibility to owe a debt to no one. The only debt that we owe is a, to give the love that our Heavenly Father first gave to us. So I want to challenge you. What is the more for? My house point, what is the more for? What's it for? Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, here's what I know is that you're speaking to some of us right now. There's a tug on so many of our hearts. There are some changes principally in our lives that we need to make. God, my prayer right now is that we would not ignore those areas of our life. But God, we we would choose today. That we're going to choose hustle over hoping. That we're going to choose discipline over debt. God, that we're going to choose generosity over greed. God, that you'd begin to make a change in us from the inside out. That we wouldn't continue to allow things in our life to rule this area of our life in our financial world. But God, we would submit our life and our way to you. And that as you take control, God, that you would start to lead and guide and direct our paths into the freedom that you desire for every single one of us. So that we could experience the life that you talk about and the life to the full that Jesus promised when it comes to this aspect of our life. Maybe there's some people that are out there today that you've never experienced a relationship with God. You didn't know that there was a God that loved you so much that he was first generous, he first gave his one and only son so that we wouldn't have to stay in the messes that we created. In fact, he saw us in our mess and said, you know what, I'll send my son into the mess to take care of your past, to change your present and secure your future. Maybe you've never experienced a new life with God. And today's the day that you need to do that for the first time or the first time in a long time. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And that the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God, 
incredible gift of Jesus is eternal life. If that's you here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up the count of three, I'd love to pray a simple, that significant prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and lift your hands up. Lift them up. Yes, I'll see you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Don't miss your moment. I know this is a message about giving, but this is the ultimate gift right here. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me in the middle of my mess. Thank you for meeting me right here, right now. God, I ask you to forgive me of my past. Come into my heart, take over, change me from the inside out. I don't just ask you to save me. I ask you to actually come and be the Lord and ruler of my life. Lead God and direct me all the days of my life. I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.